0: Welcome back, everyone. This is the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. I'm your host, Scott, joined by Rich with your average everyday Chiefs talk. All of our episodes are available on most streaming platforms. Just search for the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. You can also check us out on our social media pages, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest episodes and up-to-date Chiefs news. So obviously, we are looking uh, into a bye week for the Chiefs. Uh, coming up here this weekend, so obviously we will not have an, any kind of Chiefs game this week, so a little bit of a break into the season. But uh, before we obviously get into anything like that, uh, obviously some breaking news today that uh, everyone's been talking about, Chiefs fans, people around the NFL and all that, um, that uh, wide receiver for the Giants, Kadarius Tony, Toney, uh, has been traded to the Chiefs for a conditional third-round pick and sixth-round pick for the upcoming 2023 draft. So um, obviously that adds another weapon, you could say, uh, to um, Mahomes and the offense. Um, You know, obviously there's been concerns with uh, Kadarius Toney and injuries, I think, three out of the four years. He was in Florida, he was hurt. Obviously he had a great senior year um, there at the University of Florida. So that's how he got pretty much drafted um, as a first-round pick. Um, But, you know, obviously since he's been in the NFL, this is the second year. Last year, I believe he played 10 games. So far this year, he's only played two games. So a little bit of injury concern um, with him. But overall, um, you know, Rich, what do you think as far as what he can bring to the table um, to help this Chiefs offense and then maybe even also special teams?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, being the, the draft guy within um, our podcast and our setup, uh, you know, a guy that has very, very good athleticism. I mean, his 40 time is right under 4-4, uh, very athletic a playmaker very agile um hands aren't the greatest but they're definitely not the worst but he is a hands catcher so kind of imagine something similar to juju just much faster more agile things like that right um from a from a profile perspective that's what he is his biggest thing i mean even in college is health um you know how healthy does he stay um and why those injuries are there right is a big thing um you know reminding myself of what the patriots used to do with signing players in this kind of a setup and they end up panning out. When you get in a winning environment, it does things for you, right? Um, That's why sometimes players transfer from smaller schools or programs that don't win as much to, like, Alabama, right? And um, they end up doing well. So same thing here. I think this will be a situation where you get a guy who's still very, very young and he's only one year removed from being drafted. Um, He hasn't played this year. So, um, well, I mean, he has played, sorry. Uh, yeah, and he hasn't played, two, played in like two a month. games, yeah. but
0: not a lot, yeah.
1: Yep. So he hasn't played in like a month. Um, for some reason, I thought we were in the beginning of October. So, um, right, right. so yeah, he's, he has played. He hasn't played much. It, it almost seems as though the Giants put him on a shelf. Same thing with um, Kenny Galladay and said, hey, we're not going to damage the asset we're trying to get rid of. Um, he was part of the previous regime's draft capital. Um, the former gm ray is i mean that was his last first round pick so yeah i mean i think it's one of those things where it, it didn't work out for him they were trying to cut their losses with him now I mean, maybe It maybe just doesn't fit the player profile they're looking for he hasn't been playing a lot so it's not like he's um you know got a ton of mileage on him um he's mentioned that he has been healthy i mean you know, that was kind of like the twitter thing right, going around today um those those memes and those gifs about kadarius tony's health and now that he's playing with the chiefs are hilarious so what, what he will bring to the Chiefs is someone who is dynamic. Um, you could arguably say this is now your first. now, I would just say second. I think McColl is still faster. Uh, I don't know about agility because McColl is very much a sprinter. Um, he, didn't, he didn't have that Tyree Kill, Dante Hall type agility. Kadarius Tony will be our most overall athletic wide receiver who is a hands catcher. Um, you know, we'll see him in special teams. I think that's probably the biggest reason why they brought him in is upon return duties. And because has not been having a good time, and we already know how hard Andy Reid is on rookies and giving them playing time. And Sky hasn't been taking advantage of the right with a ton of mistakes. So we're getting a special teams player um, from a return perspective. We're going to get a wide receiver that I believe is, you know, has a ton of potential. Can we maximize that, turn it into production? Can we keep him healthy? And then, I mean, it's a low risk because you're giving up a three and a six and you still got a ton of picks. Um, so it's a. I think it's a good move by the Giants to get something out of them. A lot of their fans probably think, why would you give up on a guy after this year? But they know more than we do. Mike Kafka, their offensive coordinator, right, who is the former quarterback's coach with the Chiefs as of last year.
0: I didn't even realize that till now.
1: Um. So I'm sure there were some conversations there. They're they're complete opposite ends of the NFL spectrum. Even though the records, um, I mean, the Giants technically have a better record, right? But um, I don't see the Giants playing the Chiefs in the Super Bowl anytime soon. I mean, the Giants have been really, really well, but to say that they're making a Super Bowl, I think, it's a little bit of an overstatement. So you're helping out a team in a completely division, di- different division. Um, you are getting two picks. For, you know, a guy you probably, if he continued on that same trajectory, you wouldn't have got anything out of. So I think it's a win-win for both sides, right? Low risk, high reward on our end. If it doesn't work out, we only give up a three and a six. And if it does work out, we could have a really, really good wide receiver. And we all know how good Andy Reid is at putting players in positions to be successful at what they are good at. So um, he was also a high school quarterback. And he did throw some passes for the Giants last year some trick plays. So, um, yeah, just another new toy for Andy Reid, Airbnb, Matt Nagy, and Pat Mahomes. So, um, I like the move. I give it, you know, like a B plus A type thing just because of it's a health thing, but with what we gave up, it's it's a good move.
0: So, like you said, I mean, obviously, he he actually has some experience playing like a wildcat. Um, you know, to, he can do that kind of stuff too as well. I was like, hey, can he kick too as well? I mean, you know, obviously, he can he can do a little bit of things. But I was like, I know we have Justin Reed as well that uh, you know do kicks. But I was like, hey, you never know. Somebody's, some of these guys can do you know other things too. Um, but no, I mean, like you were saying, um, you know, it took me a while because at first I saw a third and I saw a six and I'm like, man, that sounds like a lot but they give up for him. But you know, kind of the more you kind of you, you get into it. You know, it's a conditional three, third round pick, right? Um, and it's a late six. So, for what it is, for what it's worth, you know, I think it's actually not that bad of a um, trade they gave up.
1: Yeah, and actually, I I think one of the first tweets I read about it said conditional, but it's actually a compensatory pick. So this is one of the picks that we got because the Bears got um, a member of our staff, their new GM Ryan Poles. So That's I mean, right. it used to be I don't know if you take one from the Bears. I don't think so. I think you just get, I don't know, I don't know how that compensatory pick stuff works, but yeah, this is a pick that was given to us. So it technically wasn't even ours. So right. again, um, I mean, a third round pick, like you said, it seems high, but you know, for a guy who I'm, mean, we're only paying what 775, 76,000 when you round it up. Um, and he's got about five million left guaranteed on his rookie contract until 2024. That's not bad. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say he was a first-round wide receiver. I know he went number 20 overall. Um, I think he was more of a second-round talent. But, I mean, still, you know, you're getting a potentially late first-round, second-round guy for a three that wasn't yours and a six that was. And and I'm pretty sure that was actually still our six, but either way.
0: Right. And, you know, obviously, if you looked at the draft picks we have now, we still have a ton. I think, what, we still have 12 picks or whatnot or something like that. We still have at least double-digit picks at the moment.
1: Um, i be able to tell you here. In...
0: But, you know, also uh, I was going to say too as well is, so do you think, um, you know, is it more so of a move that we wanted to make now to help kind of more of maybe that special teams issue we've had with Sky more, Um or is it just kind of one of those things where they're looking kind of ahead because obviously you have, um, you know, Juju's got that one-year deal that's coming up. I mean, obviously, the way he's playing, he's probably going to get re-signed by the Chiefs uh, for a multi-year deal. Um, you have Hardman, who's a free agent, and obviously they draft this guy more thinking that they would be, that would that he would be basically his replacement, but he's kind of disappointed so far at this point. Is it more so of a move that maybe Tony is maybe that Hardman replacement we have next year? Because obviously, he, like I said, he's under contract until 2024, and he has that low-end deal. Um, is that also another aspect probably from this trade?
1: Yeah, so I mean I, I've tried to talk myself into thinking it is maybe a McCollum repl- replacement. But you know with Beach and Reed, they like to keep guys around that aren't productive and even though McCollum hasn't been what we I guess what we thought he would be, right? And what we wanted as fans for him to be, which is Tyreek's replacement. He's still a, a very uh, good producer in this offense, right? When you use him at what he's good at. Um so Again, that all depends on the deal rate that he gets or that we offer him if we offer him one, which I think they will offer him something something small, favorable. Um, don't let him hit the open market. But if he does, and I think from his end, if he's smart and he wants a lot of money, I think he's smart and he hits, You know, he turns down everything from the Chiefs and hits the open market because someone will pay him, right? I think Definitely. he is nowhere near Christian Kirk's uh, Christian Kirk good, which that was the big wide receiver this offseason that People are like, who? And why are they paying him that much? But Christian Kirk is a really good wide receiver. So I don't – so yes, in a way, I think it is maybe getting ready for life after McColl. um, But I think we're going to try to keep him first. And then – so I think it is more of if we can just make him – if he can contribute by just returning punts productively, that's step one. Learn the offense. He's coming in on a bye week, so he gets a little bit more time, right, than what you typically get when you acquire someone in the season. Um, I think we won't see too much production from him this year. Get him, you know, into into camp and all that stuff in the offseason. Give him a full year, and I think we'll next year will be a bigger indicator to what he will really be. Pending that he doesn't have any health issues or anything like that, right, going forward. So, right. Um, so yeah. So I kind of said yes to all your questions.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I was like, well, it just kind of just depends. Um, You know, obviously, mostly on his health, too, right? I mean, like you said, he's still dealing with the hamstring injury. You know, will he play in that Titans game after the bye week? You know, we'll still wait to see on that. But kind of like you were saying, I've been saying all, you know, since we've heard the trade is, I'm like, he's the punt returner. I mean, that's pretty much what I feel like that's what he's going to be the rest of the year. Um, And then, like I said, it might mix him in a little bit of plays, like reverses, something to capitalize on his speed. You know, maybe maybe a couple of snaps in the slot, you know, as well. But uh, for the most part, like you said, I think it's mostly a, a move for the future that will probably use him more next year um, than we will this year. But definitely, he adds another another dynamic or a weapon to this offense, basically, that you could plug him in if there is an injury or whatnot. But uh, for the most part, I don't think you expect to see him that much this year. Well,
1: and you know what's funny is he's bigger than Tyreek. But if you watch a lot of his Florida tapes, a lot of people made comparisons to Tyreek Hill's agility and after the ball – or sorry, after the catch, right? So his the yak ability. Um, because, yeah, at Florida, I mean, he, he did a lot of that where he would take, you know, either uh, snaps in the backfield or short passes and take them for long gains. So, um, yeah, that's, it, it's not foreign to read that somewhere that, you know, one of his pro, pro player comps was Tyreek Hill. The speed – right? I mean, he's not that fast because no one's that fast. But uh, just his his agility and his big playability. So, like you said, right, Right. put him in situations to make a play, have some trick plays here and there. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, like the move, and I'm sure Patrick is very, very happy and probably already reached out to him. And, you know, that's the cool part about being a Chiefs fan nowadays, right, is everyone is usually excited to go work with Patrick Mahomes.
0: Well, I mean Patrick Mahomes I don't know if you saw all he did was he posted that rock gif on his Twitter and it basically the rock was smiling so you know right then he's excited for the move for sure. Oh, I did know. Yeah, that's I think I posted that in our chat but yeah, he uh, he basically just posted a rock uh, a gif on his uh um on his Twitter page the rock and it was him smiling or something so that you know he was he's pretty excited about it for sure. All right, so headed into um actually our review cap cuz we didn't get a chance to review the Niners Chiefs game from week seven, which obviously the Chiefs end up winning forty-four to twenty-three um against the San Francisco 49ers. So I'll send it back over to you, Rich, for stats from the game.
1: All right. So score-wise, San Francisco 49ers 23, Chiefs 44, rings the Chiefs record two five and two on the year and drops the Niners to three and four. We don't care about the Niners anymore. We beat them, right? So cares what the records is? Yep. jumping into the team stat columns overall yards for the chiefs was 529 on the second best defense in the nfl which they probably are no longer the second best defense in the nfl after that display so 529 for the chiefs total 417 in the air 112 on the ground um two turnovers by the chiefs which we'll get a little bit into Later on, and then on the Niners end, from a team stats perspective, they're 444 yards total, 343 in the air, and a 101 in the ground, 101 on the ground. Um, getting into the top performers, right, of course, Mahomes, 25 of 34, 123 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He also was sacked once with a quarterback rating of 132.4. Um. And I mean Chad Henney got some snaps, right? But it's only three attempts, so nothing too crazy there. But from a rushing perspective, Isaiah Pacheco led the way with led the way with eight carries for 43 yards. Um, and then I mean I know McCall had touchdowns. He also had carries, right? Since two of his touchdowns were were carries, even though the third one was a pass, it almost seemed like a run, so that kind of threw me off there. Um But then let's say in the air, um, you know, the the cool thing is we had two wide receivers over 100 yards, right, with Juju at seven receptions, 124 yards, and a touchdown. And then NBS also there with three receptions, 111 yards. Um, So that was pretty cool there. Uh, Travis Kelsey's day was, man, just imagine if he would have got those two yards. We would have had three um, 100-yard receivers, right? And then Travis Kelsey would have also tied – the record, right, for most 100-yard games in a career?
0: I think that's what, also what uh, he was going you for. He would have tied Gronk for the yeah. most. Yeah, I yes. think it was,
1: what, 35 or something like that. So Travis Kelsey had like uh, that, yeah. six receptions, 98 yards um, on the day. And then just going over the Niners numbers really quick, right, Jimmy G was 25 of 37 with 303 yards, two touchdowns, an interception. Um, he also had a fumble. And then on the ground, um, they have a lot of guys uh, what's it, getting attempts. Um, with Jeb Wilson and Christian McCaffrey leading the way, right? So there they had Wilson at seven for 54, and uh, McCaffrey had eight for 38. And then in the air, the Niners um, were led with, uh, let's say, from a yardage perspective by uh, George Kittle. Um, And he also led the way – no, I'm going to lie. So he had 98 yards and a touchdown. He had six receptions, but Brandon Ayuk led the way for them from a receptions perspective with seven catches 82 yards. Defensively, um, you know, because there was some, there was some definitely some numbers put up from a defensive perspective, right? So Chris Jones had two sacks. Frank Clark had one and a half. Nick Bosa had um, one sack. Willie Gay, LeJaria Need, and Kaylin Saunders um, shared half of a sack as well. Um, let's say Frank Clark, right, was the one that had one and a half on the day. And then, from a combined tackles perspective, this man was all over the field. And Juan Thornhill, he had 11 tackles combined, leading the way, eight solo, three assisted. Nick Bolton, again, once uh, up there, 10 combined, seven solo, three assisted. Um, and then a former uh, Kansas City Chief led the way for the Niners, Charvarius Ward. He also had 10 tackles, eight solo, two assisted.
0: We don't talk about him. That's
1: no, good. Right. <laughs> um, Interceptions, again, right? Juan had a really good day leading the way in tackles. He also had an interception. Uh, Telanoa Hafanga for the Niners had an interception as well. Joshua Williams got one. We remember that. Um, But, yeah, that's high level. Well, I guess, you know, we could talk about the kickers too. Um, Harrison was six for six on the day from an extra point perspective. Um, Although I know we probably weren't as happy with his – his field goal. His field goals, right? Right. Um. But yeah, I would say that's the numbers overall from a team and an individual perspective. What does health look like after that game?
0: Oh, well, real quick. So, it's funny you mentioned the kickers. I don't think we've ever done the kickers before. So, I thought that was, that was a nice add to uh, the stats this week. Yeah, he's starting to
1: – Harrison is, is starting to – like, I usually duck them because, like, it's kickers. You know, they're doing their job. But he's missed some um, that – well, I guess he was this way last year, right, where he's – he, yeah. he he missed them, but he's come. He usually comes through when it's clutch.
0: Well, especially when you have six extra points. I mean, I mean, who? I mean, I'm not gonna say every kicker can kick six out of six extra points because right. sometimes people miss them. But um, still, I mean, that's you know, he missed probably missed a pretty good field goal too. He probably could hit two in this game, but he didn't. Um, yeah, two quick things before I move on to that. Just on based on the stats alone, uh, I, thought, I don't know if you noticed obviously how it was tight ends day. And both Kittle and Kelsey had six catches for ninety-eight yards, both like the same amount. So that was kind of interesting um, how they both. Yeah, it was same so stats. funny, like
1: um, how people were talking about that. They're like, "Why are we trying so hard to make this a real thing, National Tight Ends Day?" Yeah, um, but you know <laughs> that's just how we are. Not me personally, right? But right, and then Greg things.
0: and then Greg Olson was calling the game too, so you know he enjoyed right. that. So, um, and then he obviously, I think obviously you mentioned about the two receivers for us with uh, Juju and Marquez Valdez scantley going over 100 yards. Um, you know, obviously, Kelsey almost was that third guy. First time, obviously, in 22 years since that happened for the Chiefs. Last time that happened was in uh, uh, 2000 season when it was Sylvester Morris, the cat, and, and uh, Derek Alexander. So that was interesting. But also in that game, Gonzalez had over thousand, or sorry, over 100 yards too. So they had three guys in that one game. It probably was Elvis Groback's best game that he's ever had. I think he threw like 500 yards or more. But... Um, Which back then,
1: that's like a thousand.
0: Yeah, right. Because that was when the like running game was like still prime, so it didn't hit the real big passing uh, attack that it is now in the NFL. But just kind of want to point those two things out uh, from the stats from the game. Injury wise, um, since we're going into the bye week, there hasn't really been um, a whole lot of updates, and I don't believe there was wasn't actually even injuries from us in that game. Like if, if I can't remember, I don't think there was anything as far as we had any injury concerns. So most of the ones that we've had that didn't end up playing, like obviously we saw Fenton, I think he had a hamstring injury. Um, Mike Dana, who's been back and forth as far as playing, not playing. Uh, I'm trying to think who else would have been on that. Um, obviously, um, Trent McDuffie, who still hasn't played since week one, uh, should be hopefully back after the bye week as well, including with maybe possibly – well, I'll hold our breath here, but hopefully, maybe even Blake Bell, who's been out for the season so far, and Lucas Niang, um, who uh, has been on the Pub List the whole season so far, might be back after this bye week as well. So we could be getting some guys back and healthy. Um, you know, starting back with that Titans game in week nine, we'll have to wait and see how the injury report comes out next week. But um, I think things are so far looking good on that end. Like I said, we don't have any you know, cross our fingers, you know, we haven't had any really big injuries so far this year. So um, uh, we'll just have to hopefully that keeps keeps going like that. And just, you know, if it's just a couple guys getting hurt here and there, um, you know, and out for a little bit, then that's not a big deal. I guess the biggest news as far as, you know, player that's going to miss the next two games is um, Frank Clark. Uh, obviously dealing with the um, offseason uh, troubles that he got in over the was it the, uh, the gun charges right I think in California um where that case I believe just ended not two weeks ago I believe um so he ended up getting handed down a two-game suspension from the NFL for uh personal conduct um on that so he obviously will be missing the Titans and Zags game but um like a lot of people are saying well you know you never want to miss any game or any games that are you know always important for no matter what teams you're playing but would you rather him miss the Buffalo game or these two games? You know, something like that. So, you know, it's it's probably it's probably easier for him to miss these two games coming up, but um, you know, still gonna be an important piece, especially how he played in the Niners game there in the end. He started showing up a little bit better than we had seen the old Frank Clark with. So um, you know, him missing the next two games hopefully won't be uh too much of an issue.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that was a good thing that you brought up, right? I, I was like, man, this is some conspiracy against Chiefs are hitting stride and doing well, and the NFL messes them up. But it's like, no, actually, it's probably a blessing in disguise because of the opponents, even though you can't um, underestimate any opponent in the NFL. Correct.
0: Definitely can't. All right, so some of the highlights from the game, um, there was a lot of points scored in this game, especially on the Chiefs' side, for sure. And one, you know, key player that, you know, we've been talking about for a while that just never has come around or as far as, you know, getting hitting him the ball or spots. And we really gave him the ball in the key situations in this game. And uh, so obviously, obviously, you know, one of the highlights I'd have to go with is obviously McCall Hardman, you know, um, as you hinted, he had the three touchdowns, um, you know, here in this game. And, you know, it was kind of just like those those reverse, like, pitches and all that just kind of kind of worked out right. And there was a couple good blocks by, I believe, one of them, Orlando Brown had a nice block on. The other one, Andrew Wiley had a nice block on. So it was good to see, you know, our tackles doing some good jobs uh, on those touchdowns. But uh, I guess most importantly, uh, to start off the game, we, you know, we're down 10 nothing, And, um, you know, as Chiefs fans know, as of late, it's like, man, we go down 10 nothing, 17 nothing, 14 nothing. As long as we don't score first and we're down like double digits, I feel like it's always like we're good because we just start, um, you know, just come together and start getting our offense in flow after we we're down it's 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 a weird thing but it's it seems to be working in the past, past few years or heck ever ever since Mahomes has been quarterback it seems to be working like that so um you know obviously we started down 10 nothing and then McColl had those two touchdowns to put us up 14-13 at halftime which i believe it would have been was it would have been 17-13 if uh, i think it was that was when Butker missed that field goal right was it before halftime i think yeah, it was i'm pretty sure I think it was going to be – yeah, because it was so low, low scoring in the first game, you you look at the final score, and you're like, how the heck was it only 14-13 in the first half? So, um, you know, obviously the Chiefs ended up scoring 30 points in the second half, kind of just like, exploded. Um, the game kind of got away from at least the Niners uh, for the most part. But, yeah, I mean, the Niners started off in this game pretty well as far as on that first drive. Like, they were running the ball. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey got some time in there. Um, Other than that first drive, they might have had maybe another drive and a half where they actually ran the ball pretty well. Other than that, the Chiefs kind of shut them down for most of the game. Um, I guess another one to highlight is uh, there was that uh, Justin Watson touchdown pass from um, Patrick Mahomes about four yards played there in the third quarter, and uh, I I think I kind of mentioned this in our chat. Is it was a really nice route that they had set up or played anyways. They had set up a nice route that Justin Watson kind of ran because. Um, if you had seen the play, obviously Kelsey was kinda on that he was kinda on that far end on the left side and they had to bring in a safety to uh make sure that he wasn't gonna get the ball. And then so there was nobody behind that safety in the part that Justin Watson kinda just ran like a route, like right behind him, and it was kind of a good pass by Mahomes and he was just open enough for the touchdown. So it was a very good route and play uh, play that they had for that uh, goal line situation um for that and then obviously uh, you know, Juju got his second uh, touchdown for his Chiefs career uh, as the last touchdown in the game, which is about a 45-yarder from Holmes, which he looked – he was wide open, right? I mean, there was, like, nobody there. He, I don't know how he got wide open. I couldn't remember exactly how that play was. I think I think the safety kind of bit on a different route, I want to say for – I want to say it was Marquez Esville, Scantley, or whatnot. But um, Juju ended up getting opened, and it was just an easy 45-minute score from there on out. On that, but I mean, those are pretty much, I would say, the main highlights from the game. If there's anything that you probably had, Rich, that we're probably missing from.
1: No, yeah. I mean, um, let's say you know my big one was uh, that 45 yard play by Juju. Right. But yeah, that covers them all.
0: But yeah, I mean, so the Chiefs end up. Um, I mean, I mean, you kind of, I guess, surprised that the Chiefs put up 30 points in the second half after kind of that slow start, or just just their offense started getting rolling there in the second half.
1: Yeah, for me, it was definitely getting relevant. Like, I could kind of feel it, and I knew eventually Jimmy G's inability would come into play. Um, I just didn't think it would be that good. Um, A lot of people said – I wasn't really – I was reading – I shouldn't say a lot of people. I was reading some things on on Twitter about how it wasn't truly a blowout loss because the score isn't a true indication, but no, it was. Like, in the second half, there's just two completely different teams, and the Chiefs probably could have scored a little bit more, right, if they – don't put any in if they kind of don't dial it back a little bit. They probably score one at minimum one more touchdown.
0: Right. So I totally agree with that. Very. Too well. Yeah. I
1: mean, to your point, right? First half is is pretty even. Um, but I could kind of feel that it was going to be a different game in the second half, and it, without a doubt was.
0: And like we were talking beforehand, obviously with Kelsey with the ninety-eight yards he needed, the the two more yards that he right. dropped that last pass there in the end of the game, he could have tied um Gronk for most one hundred-yard uh games uh in, in ever, I mean in a career. So it would have been nice to see him get that, but you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, hey, he's gonna have plenty more games to get that. And I'm pretty sure he will. Um pro- probably for obviously the end of the season. I mean, I don't see it's gonna take him more than probably what, four or five games to probably get that. So um not only probably the tie, but probably break, I would say probably within five games. If you're a betting man, that probably would happen, uh chances are on that. So that's a good bet to look up. Right. <laughs> if that even exists, but um I was also trying to think, because obviously Frank Clark had a, um, a safety in this game, and I was trying to look up the other day, when was the last time the Chiefs had a safety? I know it's got to be a long time since then, but... um Chiefs had a
1: safety with an interception?
0: No, I mean, like, it was the last time that the Chiefs had oh, a like, safety. Yeah, yeah, I was
1: like, wait, well, that, what do you mean we had a safety? <laughs> right. we had two of them back there all the time.
0: Yeah, so yeah, I
1: forgot, yeah, Frank Clark, yeah, that was a good one.
0: So yeah, because he, he got that safety there late in the fourth quarter um went from 35 to 37 to 23 but i don't i just can't recall and i tried like i said i tried looking it up and i couldn't figure out when was the last time the chiefs had a safety or which player was it so i don't know so maybe we'll get that next time or whatever but i, I couldn't i couldn't figure it out so um but i'm like i said it had to be a long time ago or i mean you would think there would have been one before jerry thomas right i mean between the, those time gaps you would hope so but uh I'm not going to put any money on it to see who it was. Well, um, So I guess on to, um, I guess, our favorite moments from the game. I think you kind of obviously had mentioned yours was the uh, that Juju uh, 45-yard touchdown pass. And probably just what I just mentioned probably was just in some aspects, I guess you would say I kind of like that Frank Clark safety because it was kind of good to see um, how well he was playing. So, I mean, I'd have to probably put that one down you know, probably is my favorite moment from that game, just kind of seeing how well the defense played there towards the end of the game. And Jimmy G playing, you know, like Jimmy G does uh, sometimes. And, you know, as of late, I guess you would say in some of those games that he's been playing. So um, that was actually good seeing that. So that's probably my favorite moment from the game. Um, As far as game ball, who you got for for, uh, game ball for this game? Because it could be a lot of different people, but I mean, there obviously is, you know, maybe a few that probably stands out above the rest
1: yeah. I mean, um, I'm going to be very, very different. Um, you know, I think one of the obvious choices is even the wide receivers, Patrick Mahomes, can even say Travis Kelsey, but um, Juan Thornhill, right, is a player who we've been waiting for a while to really break out. And he was everywhere this this game. So, um, lead you know, led the way in tackles for both teams, also had an interception. And maybe this was his game, right, to where he finally puts it together. And now he starts performing on a consistently high level because he's He's been consistent in different aspects, right? Good, bad. Um, but is he going to finally make that jump? Uh, and both the bar, or I wouldn't say both the bar, but our entire secondary needs to step up. Um, I know health has been the biggest issue at corner, but in between the acquisition of Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill, um, you know, kind of being the sole guy back there in his spot, um, you know, hopefully this is a, they've got it down. Um, they're gonna be, you know, be performing on a high level now on a consistent basis. So for me, game ball goes to Juan Thornhill.
0: So, like you said, the obvious one could be the wide receivers, uh, could be Mahomes. So I'm gonna go with uh probably one that's a little bit out there, but um obviously outside a little bit like kind of like you mentioned on the defense. It was good to see Willie Gay back, right? And he actually led was a third in team in tackles, um, played pretty well um the game. Um, so you know, and it's in some aspect, I'd give it to Willie Green, uh, like Willie Gay, but also, um, I'd give it to also Malik Herring too as well. I'm gonna mean, see so he got a, his first NFL fumble recovery, so um, but and he I, was I'll, happy as heck, and he was happy as heck. So I mean, you know, in that aspect, I mean, I think I have to give him the game ball just because he's he's obviously starting to play. He didn't play last year at all, um, out the whole year. So, um, you know, playing more snaps and you know finally getting something right, whether it's a sack. Fumble, what not. He got to get a fumble in yep. this game. So
1: Yeah, I mean, the cool thing about him, right, is he probably would have been a round uh, two to three draft pick had he not had a pretty bad injury, and that's why we were able to pick him up. Similar to Justin Ross, shelf him for a whole year. And um, he's someone that I think down the road, you know, he's got the ability, at least at the college level he did, can his – hopefully his injury doesn't hold him back, and then can he get back to playing at a very high level as he did at Georgia? and then produce for the Chiefs, right? Because even if he's, you know, let's say best case scenario for him, he's second, you know, man rotation, um, second on the depth chart at the the strong side defensive end spot, because he's more of a strong side defensive end. Um, If he's someone who is filling or sharing reps with, let's say, George Karlaftis or even Carlos Dunlap, because they kind of move him around, even though Dunlap is on the strong side the most, that's good. I think, you know, getting a, a contributor at that position in an, uh, at an undrafted spot um, would be another great move by Reach.
0: And, and also, you know, we were mentioned about Frank Clark making the next two games. That just improves his snap count because now yeah. he'll play more in the next two weeks. So, um, you know, and obviously, Carl, Carl Loftus is going to get more time, and we've been waiting to see him get his first sack because he's, he's always right there. Like, he, he's, like, this close to getting his first NFL career sack. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, seeing these young guys, you know, play, you know, obviously with – the veteran Dunlap, I think it's going to be kind of in a, in a, in a way, um, you know, exciting to see that in the next two games and see how they progress. Um, you know, even what Joshua Kodane probably could maybe play some now too as well. Obviously, he's been inactive, I think, most of the season, but maybe they activate him. He gets, you know, fewer snaps, obviously, than these other guys we mentioned, but, you know, maybe he gets some time in there too as well. Um, see how these young guys going to perform. Um, on to uh, – you know, player or moment in the game kind of disappointed, I, I, think, I think you're probably on the same agreement with this one. I mean, obviously, uh, I'm going to go inferring to uh, Sky Moore uh, with, once again, dropping um, a punt. You know, it's, it's odd that it, it's odd that it, it keeps happening. Um, I know it's a thing if it is when, um, you know, a player in college, they return punts, they're used to a different form, right? I mean, how they actually, you know, how he actually catches the ball in the air. I mean, he's catching it towards like the ground almost, right? Right. And I think it's just kind of how he was taught to do it in college. But in, in the pros, you can't do that. Um, how it is. But um, yeah, it's kind of been this a disappointment seeing that, uh, especially from the rookie. I mean, you keep saying you know rookie mistakes is going to happen, but it, it keeps happening. What's like the third or fourth eighth, third time? I think now it's happened um, in the first seven games of the week. So you know when is it going to get improved? Does Andy keep putting him back out there? Is this, you know, could Darius-Tony move make it to where he doesn't get out there? My theory is, you know, obviously I think we kind of discussed this early in the episode is obviously, you know, I think Tony's going to be the punt returner. But I think it's going to make it to where Sky Moore might get involved in the offense more, which might actually help them help him he, uh, there anyway. So interesting to see what comes more from that. But um, I don't know if you're, you had somebody else in mind, but I think that one kind of stuck out as probably – you know, something that probably disappointed from the game.
1: Yeah. So for me, it was, um, so it involved More, but it wasn't Skymore. I would say, uh, Petromole's first interception, it's, it was just a bad read as was the, um, was the, the interception that we lost against the Bills, right? Um, or that lost us the game against the Bills as we were driving down there at the end. Right. Um. Sky Moore was involved, right? Sky Moore was a wide receiver. He was going to. So you would hope. I mean, and we don't know, right? We don't know the play call. You hope that he ran the right route. But it was just a bad read by Patrick. Um heavily congested area. And uh Hafanga picks it off. Um, but yeah, I don't I didn't see, I didn't get the idea behind why Patrick was trying to throw it there. So maybe he's trying to force it in the sky um to get him some confidence plays. But um, yeah, just kind of on the Skymore front, right? That's one thing about is on the defensive end, or, or sorry, on the defensive side, we don't have an option but to play some of the young guys we have over time. Um, offensively, we do, and we've um tried to, and I mean, and and punt returning is technically offense, right? Because you're getting the ball, even though it is special teams. Right. So in a way, like I get it. There was bad technique by Skymore. You know, you're not supposed to catch it once it goes below your waist. Trying to make a play, just trying to do much. For him being a guy that's at a – that was at a smaller school that didn't play, you know, very, very high-level competition, like, you know, guys uh, like Kadarius Soni being in the SEC, Gigi Smith being um, in the Pac-12, so on and so forth. So I think he's finally – he's getting a full-fledged exposure to, one, the NFL, which is much higher level than where he's been at. But um trying to do too much. Um, and I think, you know, having the the players that they have in the locker room as well as the coaches – um, I think Skymore went into being okay. Will he ever be like the number two or number one wide receiver that maybe some people want him to be? Probably not. I don't know if he possesses that skill set. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can't make those mistakes. Um, and Like I said, it, you know, if it was on him that the route was ran wrong on that Mahomes interception, then, um, you know, that doesn't help. But, um, yeah, let's say all that just to say that Skymore seems to – Anytime he's usually on the ball, it's like a turnover happens. Um, And in this case, for me, right, that turnover was created by Patrick. So that's who the most disappointing moment is because it was just a a weird decision there from Patrick Mahomes. Yeah,
0: so it's like you said, the Bills game, this game, uh, the punts, it it seems like he's just been in bad moments and bad times in the game. But, uh, you know, like I said, he is a rookie. Everyone makes some mistakes. So, you know, we'll see how the Chiefs use him going forward. You know, whether he returns returns or not or they switch them out with uh, Kadarius Tony, or how they go from it but um, obviously I don't think you've seen the last um, you know from him obviously from certain situations because you know Andy Reid doesn't like giving up on players and um, you know rightfully so how he is as a coach he's always been a good coach that way um, so we'll see what more comes from that but definitely uh, definitely kind of disappointed from this game but like I said it didn't end up costing us anything but just definitely um, you know probably a learning experience uh, from him uh, so moving on to our final thoughts topic uh for today we actually I'm uh, just gonna kind of you know kind of talk briefly about uh tonight's Thursday night football game uh between the Ravens and Bucks and man we've hit the Thursday night football thing so much this year um at least as far as bad games right I mean obviously we had we had the first real game uh Thursday night football with week two with the Chargers and chiefs um and it's got obviously got the best ratings out of all of them but uh, this one coming in tonight I, you know, obviously, probably, I, I think, with Baltimore, uh, Tampa Bay, I mean, Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson should be built for at least a decent matchup tonight, nothing right. uh, nothing too bad, maybe nothing too great. But obviously, with the Bucks being at 3-4 and four and the Ravens being at 4-3, and three, you know, kind of right there fighting for where they're going to go out the rest of the year, um, you know, as far as, you know, making a postseason run or, you know, seeing how their division is. Because obviously, like, the Bucks they're what? They're still... I think what a game behind. Uh, um, I want to say they're a game behind in their their division, so they're not really that far. Yeah, I think um, they're
1: leading, it, aren't
0: they? Or it could be wrong. Maybe I was thinking, yeah, you know, I was thinking I think of still in
1: first. So
0: I was thinking of Seattle because Seattle's at four and three. So I was thinking of the wrong in division. But yeah, so see, they're still they're still right there at three and four. Their division's
1: times. also terrible though.
0: <laughs> yeah, they probably have the they probably have the worst division in football right now with you know two of the teams with the Falcons being at three and four, the Panthers at two and five, and the Saints two and five. So Definitely probably the worst division, which like I said, as before this year was the NFC NFC East, which is now seems one of the better ones as of late. But um yeah, then you got then you got Baltimore obviously and you know them and Cincinnati have been back and forth what for the last few years anyways, it seems like now at Pittsburgh's kinda of dropped off and you know, the Browns with them as well. So um what do you look forward to as far as on tonight? I mean, obviously, you know, Tom Brady being three and four, he doesn't I think what it's the first time he's been below five hundred this early in the season since uh right. what I want to say two thousand four or something like that. Yeah I uh, think so. early early two thousand. So what do you expect uh for tonight's game you think?
1: So um I think anytime at least for me anytime I get to watch Lamar Jackson, the over Ravens, it's always fun. They've always they always just have players that are fun to watch, right? Whether it was Lamar, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, um, you know, some of the guys that they've had in the past. So from that perspective, I just like watching the Ravens. Um, for Tampa, it'll be interesting to see how they rebound after getting whooped by the Carolina Panthers. Um, Brady is definitely on the struggle bus not only from a footballing perspective, but sounds like his personal life right is going through some stuff which is way too public, I think for right. for anybody um, like you know we should be more respectful as a media of those kind of things, but I mean that's just that doesn't exist in modern day times but um so yeah, it'll be interesting to see that aspect from a Tampa Bay perspective. And how and does bulls get his eyes to-, to And re- they're playing at home, too. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's there for them to rebound and do well. Um, if Mike Evans catches that bomb from Brady, um, you know, that's probably a different game because then they're up like 10 to 0, I think. But, um, yeah, so looking to see how Brady, Bowls and the Bucks rebound from that bad game at home. Um, but I ultimately think that the Ravens will be too much, even though, Andrews and Bateman, who are their top targets or their most talented receivers slash tight end. Um, they're a little bit dinged up, right? I think they'll still be able to come up uh, with the victory versus the Bucks, who technically do have a good defense. Their defense has struggled. Um, you know, They've definitely given up some yards and some points lately. But like I said, I think Lamar will be the difference maker. I think he'll be better than Brady. Um, and I think the Ravens will pull one out. But, the the kicker is that if the Ravens, if it's still a, a tie or sorry, a close game late in the game, the Ravens are going to blow it. Because they've done that, I think, three times now this year. Sorry, t- for sure two times. Bills one game. I think they blew the Dolphins game too. Um, and I think they just blew one. I'm going to look real quick. I think they just, was it last? No, it wasn't last week. They beat the Browns. Was it the Giants? I think they blew. I think all three of their losses this year, the Dolphins they were leading, the Bills they were leading, and I think they were also beating the Giants, and they ended up losing because Danny Dimes has, like, the most comebacks this season. Yeah,
0: right. They find ways to win this year with the Giants, that's for sure. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you as far as on the Ravens. I think the Ravens up probably taking this game. I think it's it's still relatively probably will be close. It's because Tampa Bay is playing at home, and obviously Tampa Bay wants to rebound um from last week but um it's it's kind of weird because it's like it's kind of hard to accept the fact that the bucks aren't that good this year I mean looking at their defense they're still pretty good defense but their offense is just terrible for the most part um but you know it's like so it's like kind of accepting they aren't very good but they really aren't so it's like mm, I don't think they can hold I don't know if they'll hold a lead late in this game you know if it comes down to it uh so that's why I think just yeah the Ravens probably take it you know by a touchdown or something like that but uh yeah, so that's uh, that's uh, pretty much going to be like I said, an interesting game uh, watch tonight but like I said hopefully one of the better at least Thursday Night football games we've had recently.
1: For sure, at least the names read that way,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, you got top you got top uh, tier talent on paper anyways, you would say, so hope to see. but I guess what I really want to know is it's not Thursday Night football, but obviously Sunday night or Sunday morning we have another London game. At 8 30. I really want to know who the heck's gonna be watching the Broncos and Jags play that early in the morning if you're not a fan of either team. Because yep nobody. both teams are awful. No, I'll up, probably so. watch it. i because <laughs> so,
1: yeah. I like watching the Jags like from a from a building a team
0: set yeah. up,
1: you know, what they've got going. I think they could be I mean they could win their division this year, right? The division's pretty bad too. So um right. and I think they're a growing team. Trevor Lawrence has kind of he would get, they came out the gate hot, and then he's kind of sucked the last few weeks. Um, they just traded their, their former starting running back and James Robinson. So that'll yeah. be fun. Uh, and then I think the Broncos are an absolute mess. Um, and who knows if their coach makes it to the end of the year because they, right. they can They can fire um, Matt Rule. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. They can fire Nathaniel Hackett and not lose as much money as if they were to do something different with Russ. They're stuck with Russ.
0: So. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that game, I don't know. I'll probably sleep in I'll catch the highlights from the game. I'm probably not too worried about. But speaking of Jacksonville, um, obviously you do have a Jags friend, so he might be on with one of our special guests that we got coming up here in the next few weeks um, for that game for Jacksonville. So that'll be fun, interesting to see his thoughts on the Jags for this year um, for that. And I believe um, I might have a special guest next week too as well before we end up playing the Titans. So we'll see. Um, about that but that'll be more to uh come for that for future episodes so that actually will conclude uh today's edition of the red and yellow kingdom podcast like i said we'll be back here after the weekend uh, maybe it's a little bit of bi-week talk and then also you know gearing up with um you know for the chiefs uh titans uh, week nine sunday night football matchup which once again uh another home game another not noon game so we haven't had a noon game at Arrowhead yet this year which is probably the furthest I think I've ever seen. So um, so we'll look forward to another uh, game uh, under the bright lights for sure on Sunday night. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to follow our podcast and go Chiefs.